welcome to the See Where It Goes podcast. This is episode two of a long, nice chat we have with our friend Tammy Widmer. Hope you got the chance to listen to episode one. Uh, um, if you haven't, you should go back and hear in in order. Uh, Tammy is a good friend of ours. We met at seminary, her and her husband, Greg, who's a friend of mine. And uh, she is now a religious trauma counselor, among many of her talents. So I uh, hope you enjoy part two. You know, I mean, I've always been like an, eth- you know, an ethical person, an honest person. Like I had a dream last night about having the opportunity to steal. Hmm. Like I'd found something in my dream and there was a lot of cash in this thing I was going through. And I was like, I could just take this cash and no one would even know if I take it, hmm. but I couldn't even take it in a dream. Hmm. You know, that's just who I am. That's who I've always been. Yeah. You know, and, but I don't need, you know, someone getting murdered on the cross to, uh, to inform me that that is a shitty thing to do. Yeah. You know, I don't need someone telling me that I need this drastic religious experience in order just to be a good, decent human being, you know? And so I'm basically the same person that I've always been, but not having that, wearing that helmet of, uh, you know, being informed of all these world const I mean, these huge ideas and theologies and consequences and all this stuff. I don't have that hanging over me anymore, you know, and I think that like keeps you from doing so many things in your life. Like, I think my art would probably have been different perhaps, you know, and who knows what decisions I would have made, you know, in my life, but I'll, I'll just never know at this point, I just have to move on. But yeah, there are things that are the same. I, I know we're kind of bouncing around at the moment. It's not like the most linear, which my brain likes, it doesn't, doesn't really matter to me, but, uh, Brian, when you were asking about this and Bridget, as you're talking about rebirth, I guess the, the word that's coming up for me is like, it's freeing when you, when you start to see yourself for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I read something that I wrote nine months months ago? Um, I, um, I I was going to give context, but I'm like, maybe I don't need to, um, but basically I was having just, okay, this was in January. I was having a quiet moment. I had read something, um, a quote by Annie Bloom, and it says, opening your sacred wound allows you to fall in love with yourself. Mm-hmm. And for me, my path forward has been in my pain, mm-hmm. like immersing myself in my pain mm-hmm. and letting it wash over me. Mm-hmm. And I've been finding myself there. And yeah. so I read that. And then I was just sitting at, I wasn't trying this like in Christianity, I always tried so hard to hear God's voice or whatever, mm-hmm. but I just closed my eyes and this very strong visual came to me of a metallic origami crane that was flying, flapping its wings. Mm-hmm. And it was shimmering and bright. And I 
I knew it was me. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote this short poem um, that I called Origami Crane. I caught a glimpse of myself, flashing light, fluttering wings. The little girl inside of me longs to be freed. Beneath the wounds, behind the walls, my treasure has been there all along. Every color, shining light, purity, radiance, freedom, sight. Mm -hmm. I sing for a moment. In the next, I'm gone. Perhaps someday I'll be free to live on. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that has so been my journey this last year. Like I, I catch a glimpse of myself mm-hmm. and it's so new and foreign to me and maybe fragile in a way, mm-hmm. but so strong. And I'm constantly like seeing myself and then and then having inner struggles and yeah. um, maybe getting caught in things and then moving forward and getting caught. And um, yeah, just wanted to share that piece. Can you hold it up Thank to the you. camera? Or can, can you hold that writing up to the camera? Is that okay? Or will it reveal yeah. something else? I don't know. No, it's just so messy. Uh, in my journal. Wait, I'm going to take a picture. Hold on one second. Let me see. Uh, Here, I'll get a, put it yeah. over here. trying to find the the where's the beginning of that i catch i uh, go a bit closer because i want to read it again um i catch a glimpse of myself flashing light fluttering wings the little girl inside me longs to be freed beneath the wound beneath the walls my treasure has been there all along every color shining light purity radiance freedom sight i sing for a moment and in the next, I am gone. Perhaps someday I will be free to live on. That's it's beautiful. So good, Tammy. Yeah, that's very It captures it so well. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting, Tammy. You mentioned um, getting your power. And then you jumped in with, oh, it's not that I'm power hungry. And I felt like, the, 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 consider this, maybe it won't land with you. I felt like the second version, sorry, I want to tap into my power, but then when the, the, per, the Tammy who said, it's not that I'm power hungry, that felt like an old Tammy yeah, who was afraid of power, that power was a bad thing because it mm. came from self and not God. I almost felt, I kind of heard it, it almost apologize for trying to tap into your own power. Oh, absolutely. And that perfectly depicts the inner struggle I'm, I'm at right now. Yeah. Right. Stepping into my power and then apologizing for it. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, that might be an old, old voice. That's, that's holding you back a bit, you know? I, I, yeah, you picked up correctly. (laughs) Right. Right. Good. So, um, let me think here. Should we go back to linear for a sec in the, in the story or no, I don't want to. I'm always worried I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm missing something between you two because I can't see no, you both at the I same just time. I feel like maybe there's some more stuff in this moment. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I um, I don't feel equipped enough to try and parse it out. I guess it's like. Uh... So how do you feel when you see yourself? Do, are you able to recognize the moments when you can see the shimmering lights when you're flying? 
Yeah. 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 What do you do in those moments? Do you lean into them? Are you leaning into them? Yeah, I'm, I'm figuring out how to lean into them with like my whole being instead of just my mind. Yeah. Can you uh, give us an example? The one that's, the one that's coming to mind right now is like, um, when I got pregnant in June, I, or I found out in July, I always feel a bit of grief when I find out I'm pregnant Mm because I feel like it's saying goodbye to any semblance of normalcy. I always get sick the first trimester. Mm -hmm. You guys know what it's like having little kids and you don't sleep and you turn Mm -hmm. into a crazy bitch for a while. Like, (laughs) yep. It's hard. Um, so I felt a little grief because I felt like just in December, I was starting to tap more into my inner journey again. Mm Mm-hmm. I had capacity and I'm like, no, my window of growth is closing. And now I have to go back into survival mode. And instead of doing that, I've tried to make an internal shift of like allowing my pregnancy to, and allowing my baby inside of me to Mm -hmm. teach me as Mm -hmm. I go Mm -hmm. and being in tune with my body. And so what has that looked like? Like the first time I went and got my ultrasound and I saw the baby's heart beating, that's always a powerful moment, but mm-hmm. I felt so connected to that child. Like mm-hmm. my last two ch- children have sometimes felt like little aliens inside of me that I, I was guarded. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to get too close. You know, what if something happens? Yeah. Um, this time I saw that person and I, I was like, I recognize that mm-hmm. them and I, I felt so connected Mm -hmm. and I think that is a direct result of the work I've been doing Yeah, and I'm using, I'm using pregnancy and delivery and infancy as kind of like a self-designed ceremony. Mm -hmm. Like my, my body is doing something to usher in a new season. Like we just talked about Mm -hmm. like a new birth Yeah, for myself as well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not driving the process. My body is just like right now, my mm-hmm. body is feeding a baby, mm-hmm. keeping a heartbeat and other heart beating, sustaining it. And I'm not trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm sitting here mm-hmm. and all I have to do is like show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. So you're, you're choosing to see the good things instead of like analyzing what's happening and protecting yourself. Um, you're choosing to go with the moment and the flow and making it an opportunity instead of a burden perhaps. Um, so the flying part of that is before what would keep, what was keeping you from flying before Mm. in those pregnancies? Like, Mm. 
yeah, fear, just like a fear, fundamental human fear of loss, a discomfort, even, even a discomfort with like real connection with people needing to put up a wall a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is that from? I feel like so much of it is rooted in, you know, how I was raised. Uh, I don't, I think it was a combination of my personality and um, faith system and just mm-hmm. family, family upbringing, but yeah. Were your parents reserved? Yeah. In their affection? Uh, my dad, more than my mom. I'm very, I'm very reserved. Mm-hmm generally with affection. Yeah. But you, I would classify you though, as very loving. Do you, do you have a love language that where you show love in different ways other than physical affection? I think I, I really enjoy doing thoughtful things for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say it gives affection a new name for me. Cause it's like, like you say, you're not affectionate, but like your listening skills and your ability to ask yeah. really great questions feels like affection. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Hmm. Well, cause there are different ways we, to show affection. Cause like when I think of affection, I usually think of physical. Do you, mm-hmm. I, I, I do. And it's like, yeah, but, but it could be, it doesn't have to be right. No, no, it doesn't have yeah. to be. It doesn't. Mm-mm. I know where you want to go. Where do I want to go? Where does he want to go? Yes. I'll tell you if you're okay. You talking about like- no, 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 no. I'll say it. I'm going to, I'm going to write it down. Okay. Um, dun, 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 dun. And uh, well, cause we have go. an ongoing conversation about affection in our marriage. Okay. Where was I going? Where, where was I going to go? Cause Brian's always saying to me, he doesn't <laughs> hug me enough. Yeah. Yeah. When we first got married, I'm super into physical touch. Okay. And uh, so I would be all over him, you know, not necessarily wanting to have sex. I just wanted to you know, hug and kiss and sit next to him or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to have quiet time with him because that was a thing, right? He didn't want me to have quiet <laughs> time with him, which is devastating as a newly Christian married person. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but anyway, and he still says this to me, like he doesn't like he always kiss me goodbye or yeah, or whatever. But <clears throat> I think a lot of times touch for you equals sex. Mm, that's a great Larry Day. But he episode. does show me. But I do know he loves me because he shows me his love in so many other ways. You know, he's very thoughtful. And uh, I set up date night every two weeks. I know I missed a week. Hey, yeah. I've done for it 22 for... years. We've gone on dates. And I used to bring her coffee until I decided to automate that and buy an espresso machine where she just presses the button. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Where was I going to go then? Is that where I was going to well, go? I thought maybe you were going to, you were going to no. go and start talking about physical. I wasn't, physical I was, touch. I wrote down chink and armor. Oh, okay. Well, see, there you go. Sorry. It was wrong. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to know, um, cause Bridget asked about, so we wrote down your, the beginning of your deconstruction journey. And I was curious, like, what was the chink in your armor? And we talked about that a little bit. Did we? The most well, the, the recent chink. So, cause here's, here's what I do know about you guys. You were married when the deconstruction began and it happened with one of you first, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Just like it did, but like she Tammy, went first. We are the bad. Wait, no, you had the bad husband. I'm the bad wife. No, I actually went first. I oh, you like, went you first. Did. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Well, it depends. 
on how you think about it. Well, we need more information. It's because she was the silent. She was the woman and she was to remain silent. Those dirty women. So so it was those emotions on her behalf. (laughs) Those unruly emotions coming up. Unruly emotions. You just you just steered that guy out of out of his calling, Mm -hmm. didn't you? So tell yeah, us about gosh. that. Tell us about the ch- the beginnings of the chinks and the, of the in your armor and the uh, deconstruction journey. I'd like to hear about that. Um, yeah, I'll I'll say briefly. Like, uh, so we're at Denver Seminary. This is where we meet up with Bridget and Brian. Mm-hmm. This was in 2011 that we started. I would say mm-hmm. I showed up to to the counseling program with my Bible in hand, like ready to mm-hmm. like beat people, like. I was going to find every Christian philosophy that wasn't biblically, biblically based and yeah. make sure everybody knew about it. Wow. And then well after about six months, um, that softened because mm-hmm. the counseling program at Denver seminary is very good at having you be introspective. Like before mm-hmm. you can be a healer, you have to heal. And I had never taken the time really to look at my own flaws and vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. So, um, sort of started to look at myself in the mirror, but then some of the things were the chinks were a little out of my control. Um, you know, my second semester of seminary, um, Greg's PTSD started. So literally like a couple days after he got the letter in the mail that said he was officially discharged from the army, Yeah, he started, um, having these anger explosion explosions mm-hmm. of anger yeah um with which often accompanied like a loud sound so yeah. i was like tiptoeing around my house closing cabinets yeah and i mean i remember i popped a balloon once and he flipped the fuck out wow. yeah and i locked myself in the bathroom and sobbed yeah because wow. i was like who the hell did i marry yeah <laughs> yeah um it was very shocking um and so his PTSD brought a level of, um, I think the first two years of our marriage, I was playing pretend Mm -hmm. I was being the wife I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't like living in hypervigilance in my home. I didn't Mm -hmm. like being this like really good housewifey type, um, and not that he, he, he's such a gentle, wonderful person. He never put that on me. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing like him having PTSD and going through that pain as a spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, that was hard. And then another thing, um, was we were visiting churches when we first moved to Littleton and one of the churches that we went to, um, they had a portion is very conservative. They had a portion of the service that, people could get up and speak about like whatever the Holy spirit put on their heart, which mm-hmm. I'm so into that. I'm mm-hmm. like a very spirit led person. And I thought it was so cool. And then we went to an informational meeting right after the service and we were sitting in a circle and they're telling us about the policies of the church. And they're like, yeah, we have this portion with every service where the brothers can stand up and speak and share. Mm-hmm. And I raised my hand and I go, so when you say brothers, do you mean yeah. like people with penises? Like yeah. men, I didn't say penises at the time. Yeah. yeah. Like, you mean men? I was in disbelief, honestly. Yeah. And he said, yes. And I instantly, I didn't want to 
instantly burst into tears. And then I cried for the next two hours at that church. Uh, And people were like trying to console me. And it was like out out of control. My femininity, my, my voice had been silenced for so long. It was Mm -hmm. like, I was just like feeling crushed Mm -hmm. internally. And, um, I just got, I started just exploring my own voice, my Mm -hmm. needs, like things that brought me pain. I started going to a counselor and she pointed out to me, you know, that so much of my religious system that that I talked about was fear-based and she was a Christian counselor. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I can keep going. Those are some chinks Mm -hmm. that started. Should I keep going? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at the same time we found a church to go to, we dove, dove in head first. We're doing the full-time seminary thing. We're involved in the church. Um, and you know how it is when you're involved at church, you're like there all week, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, we were so busy, burnt out. I mean, Sundays we would go to church at eight and get home at two or three in the afternoon. And, mm-hmm. um, I got really burnt out doing everything. Yeah. And, um, so at a certain point, uh, probably our third, second or third year of seminary, we actually went to Amsterdam and, um, and there was a painting in the Reiki museum. Have you, have you all been to Mm-mm. Amsterdam? No. Okay. Um, about the iconoclasm. Do you remember yeah, this? Yeah. Friend? Oh yeah. And it was very impactful for Greg and it kind of, um, made us realize the church that we were in was not working for us anymore. And we needed to move, um, out of our church. So we went home from Amsterdam. We went back to that church and we started basically saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, at the time people were saying things to us like, don't ask so many questions. You'll get lost in the woods and you'll never come back. <laughs> and Ryan said that to me before. Did I? That's a common thing. I've had yeah. several people say similar things to me. Yeah. And um, the pastor of the church that we were leaving took us out for lunch. And he said to us, tell me, this is such a weird question to ask. Tell me all the good reasons why you're leaving. That is bizarre. And I looked at him and I said, so it's Greg and I together, you know, I said, I feel overlooked as a woman in your congregation. Mm -hmm. Good. He did not even acknowledge that I spoke. Oh, wow. He just like turned to Greg and started talking like some sort of theology because, you know, only Greg could understand theology. And, um, I, I, I had a moment where I was like, did I just talk out loud? Like, didn't I say words? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so I, it was my femininity. Like it was a huge gift to me that ushered me the chink mm-hmm. that ushered me into my next level. Um, the second half of our time in Colorado and in seminary and graduation and whatnot was characterized by, um, getting more into like the spiritual direction world. Mm -hmm. So I had a spiritual director. I told her, look, 
I need you to not use the word Jesus or mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's very upsetting to me right now. Yeah. I, I had, I stopped reading the Bible mm-hmm. because I couldn't even come close to the text without it. Cause I've been taught to read it literally, you know, yeah. um, without feeling so judged. Yeah. Um, we went to an Anglican church for a time, mm-hmm. which was a wonderful experience. I th- did you preach there once, Brian? Wellspring was it Wellspring? Yeah. Italy? No, we went there for a year. Okay. Then went over yeah. to three sixteen, but I don't. Um, yeah, I didn't preach there. Okay, I have a memory of you preaching somewhere. Yeah. I don't know where. Maybe I went to. Um, you preached at three sixteen. Three sixteen, and then I church. Preached at okay. uh, another Denver church, but <clears throat> just once. Mm-hmm. I don't think you were there. It was a bigger one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then I got to the point where I was like, I hate church. I'm. <laughs> Yeah, I stopped going to church and Greg that made Greg a little uncomfortable. Like he Mm -hmm. was not there yet. Tammy, what do you know what, when this was exactly just so I get from my own curiosity, if only. Yeah. Um, so when I talk about our seminary years, um, Greg was there for four years. My program was two and a half. Yeah. So this was all happening. Like when I stopped going to church altogether, Yeah. um, would have been right around my graduation, which was the two and a half year mark. Okay. Got it. So, okay. Um, and his, I, his deconstruction was happening then he was, if you remember, Brian, he was hanging out with a lot of like orthodox thoughts. Right. Right. And he was in the spiritual direction world too. And, um, Anglicanism, you know, he was just trying to find a place he could fit spiritually still, but he was, people were starting to like judge him, you know, for his, um, uh, choices. (laughs) Like, and, uh, but wait, go ahead. Well, no, I was just thinking, so we, we, uh, him and I were both in, um, the master divinity with the spiritual direction and soul care. Um, this is more for others, not for the people here in the room, but um, so our division got a little bit judged by more of the rigid programs that we were airy fairy and kind of out there. And cause we did a lot of Catholic readings, you know, and practices too. So that we would have been already judged anyway, but do you think he was judged because of that or because of some, he was starting to get too far out of the fold. Cause he was, he was even going beyond that. Okay. Yeah. Um, some of the judgment was overt and some of it was covert. Um, yeah. Curious. What, okay, can you give me an example of some of the judgment he would have got and what it looked like? Um, I think um, he, uh, he had a couple, you guys were in a mentorship, pro- you had a mentorship program as right. part of your degrees. Right. Unfortunately, like, the people that were with him in that journey really like he couldn't open up or when he did open up, they were very judgmental. Um, I don't, I don't know exactly the things that were said. Yeah. But I can see that system. He wasn't. Yeah. That that's concerning. Cause they, cause they, that's set up as a tight knit part of that was set up as, you know, to kind of make sure they weren't releasing not cases into the church world. So, so I could see where your monitor somewhat closely and i mean because there were some really solid people like in the program but 
even like you were talking about, Brian, you still there, it, it evoked a level of fear inside of you when yeah. you saw him reaching his oral defense at the very yeah. end of seminary. And he felt like he didn't know if he could defend God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he felt that with his closest friends, like even if there wasn't the outright, like this is wrong, it was like evoking fear of a lot of people. He started a blog and people from our childhood, of course, you know, or his childhood, they always saw him as he's going to be this amazing missionary or pastor. And then here he is questioning everything. Yeah. What kind um, Never mind. Go to where, where you were going to go. I was just going to say his journey, like Bridget, you were talking about Liam earlier and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of logic and asking a lot of questions. He felt, Greg felt like he needed to fall, read things and follow mm-hmm. all of the knowledge yeah, and exhaust all possibilities. So in subsequent years, since seminary, you know, he, he went into a deep depression for a while and then he's, he's been reading all this like philosophers and, um, he's been, he's been in some dark mental spaces, like in terms Mm -hmm. of there's some pretty nihilistic stuff out there. That's like, kind of like life is meaningless. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I know like John Paul Sartre is and Nietzsche and Nietzsche. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So he's been in that sort of logical, rational world for a long time. Up until literally like two or three weeks ago, he kind of came to the end of that as like, I've exhausted all options. Yeah. And, um, you know, he hasn't believed in God for a few years now, but um, it's interesting because his journey has been a little more like logical, rational. And my Mm -hmm. journey has been much more experientially driven. Mm -hmm. So, um, to compare the two of us side by side, you know, I, I decided to leave the church. He was still going to church for a while. Then he left the church. Um, then I could still considered myself a loose Christian for a while, but I wasn't really sure. And I didn't really care that much. It didn't distress me. Yeah. Um, and then he got really distressed and like maybe officially lost his faith. Mm Mm-hmm. And I felt uncomfortable with that, with that, like, Oh yeah. God, you're, you're going to hell. Wow. You started yeah. this lady. <laughs> and then I caught up with him maybe a year or two after that, just natural, like with time, it was mm-hmm. just like, Oh yeah, this is, this is not fitting anymore for me either. Yeah. So our journeys have kind of been like, you know, so Tammy, when you touch your headphone cords, it makes a noise. Okay. So if you can keep them keep the cord from moving because when like now i can't hear it but anytime that the white cords are moving then i hear like a shh okay thank you you're welcome i didn't even notice but that's good yeah good good you're the voice of the listener there it's good that's good so were you in Amsterdam? i remember you saying that greg uh before you said this once that uh, greg fell into a pretty deep depression i thought it was when you were overseas somewhere was that the Amsterdam trip? Oh, no. It was. After he graduated from seminary, he was on that a trip through the seminary, which is like a journey in the footsteps of Paul. Yeah. And he was in 
these beautiful places, like he was in Istanbul and Greece, and they ended in Rome. So I, at the time, was working at the Eating Disorder Center as a, a mental health counselor, and I remember meeting up with him in Rome and we were going to have our vacation at the end of his trip. He was so freaking depressed. Like I have all these pictures of us in Italy. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you know, he isn't smiling. I touched my cord. He isn't smiling. Um, you know, and I remember we were in this lovely little like cottage in Tuscany Um, and he just, you know, wanted to lay in bed and watch TV. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it's heart, it's heartbreaking. It's really, it's painful to watch a spouse suffer like that. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're around the, this beautiful creation around you, this nature, but you're, but, but you can't, you're not in sync with the peace that you see in nature that that's mm. that makes it more difficult i think for me mm. anyway when you're yeah so can we talk about the ptsd piece yeah. so how did you respond as a spouse when was greg's anger directed towards you or just did it, he just get like emotional did something from the noise just kind of like bring him mm. to a certain place yeah for sure. It was just like a very activating trigger. Like if we would hit a pothole when we were driving or if there was a loud sudden noise, it just, yeah. he would just have like a, he's such a gentle person by nature, mm-hmm. but he would have this like very intense military type response. Like yeah, he would say like scream the F word or, you know, it, it just felt really hostile. Yeah. So it wasn't directed at me necessarily, yeah. but I was around it and it felt it felt hostile and unsafe. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. What other questions? How did you, how did you guys navigate that together? It's hard. Um, Cause I shut, I just shut down for a little while. Mm -hmm. I got scared we've always been pretty open in our communication. So then he started counseling and he did EMDR. Um, Mm -hmm. and that actually took away his startle response. Oh my gosh. So he's still, sorry, go ahead. ahead. What does EMDR stand for? Sure. Um, wow. I'm just, it's eye movement desensitization Wait, do you guys know? Oh, well, I think is know? it the one where the the light goes back left to right, back and it forth? It goes through your to your left and right brain hemispheres. Yeah, and so and then you're like recalling <clears throat> traumatic yeah. events. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like there's like a clicking or a tapping on either side of your ears, mm-hmm. or maybe something else, um, like your left knee, your right knee, you're tapping, and um, I, I am a mental health professional, but I'm not trained in EMDR. So mm-hmm. I'm, that's why I'm, I'm struggling to describe it, but um, yeah, it was very powerful for PTSD. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. Wow. I, I, yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, eye movement, descent, 
sensitization and reprocessing is what it stands for. That's yeah, awesome. It's pretty, yeah. It's, it's, so it's I'm dope. sure that made a profound difference, not only for him, but then for the two of you as a couple. Yes. I found like once he relaxed a bit, then I released. Mm -hmm. So like I was holding my breath for all this time that he was kind of being reactive. Yeah. And then when he, his PTSD was starting to like relax, mm -hmm. I started getting explosively angry myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, finally it was like my needs and voice was coming out, but it was scary yeah. for him too. Cause he's like, right. who did I marry? Yeah. You know, I started asserting myself, I think for the first time mm -hmm. in my yeah. life. Right. What was Greg's response? It was shocking. Um, he also really understood and supported it. Yeah. Um, and it was hard. You know, it was all the things I've always felt supported by him. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he's felt supported by me, but that doesn't mean it hasn't been really awkward and painful. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So I'm curious now, uh, based on where, where you guys are at, first of all, I remember one, sorry, let me back up for a sec. Greg told me when you guys lived in that house in Littleton, I think it was Littleton, maybe Inglewood. It was a rented house. I loved that house. And uh, he had a nice backyard. Yes. And I remember he was saying, so what do you do on Sundays now? He goes, well, we sit in the backyard and we read the newspapers. I remember saying, that sounds great. <laughs> even, though, even though we could have done that because we were going to a church that met Saturday nights. Okay. Um, that was great church. But, oh, um, was great. but, but I remember thinking, um, I'd love to. So, so actually that helped me because when I, when I did stop going to church mm. um, myself, it was like, Oh, I can just read the newspaper. <laughs> I mm -hmm. can just, I'm not gonna, God's not gonna be mad at me for reading the newspaper, but I digress. When, um, what's it like now? What's it been like where people in your past life, whether friends or family, um, uh, what, what is the wording on the, on the thing behind me here in the last section? Uh, friends rescuing you friends rescuing you. Uh, do you, are there people out to rescue you from, cause you've fallen off the edge here um and, and their view do you uh, i guess there's maybe like maybe we don't have to be that prescriptive but was that one of your questions are, are friends yeah. rescuing you yeah. i was what? just curious because yeah. i have friends that have tried to rescue me or <laughs> when they come in i'm like huh yeah like, what's your motive because i know what my motive uh, would have been in their shoes so i'm always trying to think like how are they going to approach this what's their ulterior motive are they trying to fix me how do you feel? Have you had this experience? I have a little bit. I would say maybe people stopped trying to rescue me like four or five years ago. Okay. Like, oh, okay. She's a lost cause. Don't let her go. She's a lost cause. She's God's hands now. <laughs> I still, if, if I am in touch with anybody from childhood or moody years, I do freak out a little bit internally mm -hmm. like that, Bridget. I'm like, what are they thinking? What are they wanting? They don't know me Yeah. now. Um, you know, and, and then uh, there's always this piece. I really love my family and I value them, but both sides of our family are still Christian. And, mm -hmm. um, there's been a loss there of just like being able to be like fully supported. Mm -hmm. And, um, for me, this last year has been significant. Part of that was, I, um, 
in May started working for a center that um, it's, it's an online group of mental health licensed mental health counselors who are operating as coaches Mm -hmm. so that we can meet with clients via telehealth from all different States. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, it's called the center for trauma resolution and recovery. And we all specialize in helping people with, um, religious trauma and Mm -hmm. adverse religious experiences. So when the website was launched for our center, back in the spring, I felt like I was having, it has my bio on there. Right. So Mm -hmm. talks, it was the most out I've ever, I've ever been publicly. You come out of the closet there. Yeah. So, and I don't want to, I'm careful to say it it felt like coming out. I know it's not quite the same, you know, for folks in the, you know, LGBTQ plus community, it's not the same, but you know, it, it had a feeling of that, like, yeah. And I went through a, you know, and it was an emotional time for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. An emotion because there was a fear of um, what people would say, because not only now are you, well, I'll stop there. Yeah. I think um, just, yeah, I guess, I guess feeling some of that loss, like of people I love and feel really connected to, there's just a certain point where you, you can't feel as connected to them when, right. when they, you know, it, they can't support certain things that you're right. living into. So mm-hmm. I have to say for myself, I'm a, now going to be a mother of girls and I'm so thankful for a while. I felt guilty that I wouldn't be raising my kids in the church because they wouldn't have the same upbringing I did and know about God and faith. Mm -hmm. Now I'm so thankful that I have freed them. I know they'll still have their issues, but like from some of the cultural oppression and um, shame and whatnot Mm -hmm. that is put on girls in the, in the Christian system. Yeah. um, That hopefully they can just be free to be, whoever they want to be. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter that they're women. Yeah. That's a great gift you'll be giving them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. What else? Yeah, look at him. What's that? Well, it just made me think that sitting with my son, I was, we were having lunch together the week before going to the wedding and, you know, I'm very close with my son. You know, he was telling me, personal things about his life and, mm-hmm. um, you know, telling me things that I, you know, don't necessarily think he needs to tell me if he doesn't want to, but he was sharing. And I was very, mm-hmm. you know, touched by that, that he was sharing these details of his life with me, which then I thought, you know, well, maybe I can, I had shared some things with him about my past or whatever, but then mm-hmm. I shared even more with him you know, because it was so many years that I felt like, well, as a mom, I can never tell my kids my sexual history, because if I did, yeah, then that would just ruin their entire image of me mm-hmm. as their Christian mother. And maybe they'd be ashamed of me, or I don't want them to use my experience as a license to go, mm-hmm. you know, have their own experiences 
I'm still fighting with those, uh, those constructs of Christianity that were put on me, the purity culture thing. And then trying to having taught my kids that for, you know, some time. Um, so I still feel a little bit weird that my kids are going to be living a different, they're going to be having a different experience than Mm -hmm. me you know, and I'm, I, and I feel okay with it, but I can still feel that residue inside of me, you know, and I look forward to the day when I don't, when that residue is no longer there and I can just have these conversations and be so, and I am happy for them, but just even Mm -hmm. in a better place, you know, Mm -hmm. that I'm don't have like old judgments and old paradigms and you know, everything, because I don't want that stuff to be there. So I think you having this, you know, many years to be able to let your girls grow and teach them, I think it's going to be such a gift, you know, a gift to them and to yourself. So I'm excited for that, for them and you. I did have one more question. Um, So, so you're, 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 you're teaching, um, or sorry, you're, you're, you're helping people who have been through religious trauma now. And I wonder, um, let's see, what's my question as you, what do you take from your past that helps you be a better counselor there? Good question. That is a good question. I mean, this is basic, but because of my story and my experiences, I can, when my client tells me their story, I can say yes. And Mm -hmm. they know, and I know it's coming from a place of shared experience. Mm -hmm. Um, like when you have somebody that understands you, that speaks the same language and understands you on that level, it's really powerful. Um, because, you know, I didn't have tons of traumas, abuse that, you know, things like that, but I had a lot of burdens put on me mm-hmm. to be so good and to be so pure. And, and I get how painful those burdens are. So that's, that's some of what I bring today. Yeah. 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 yeah I think that's powerful. Thanks, Tammy. Mm. This is great. I did want to ask, uh, is there any, um, what's a good question? We, oh, we were going to, okay, let me back up for a sec. Is there any TV you're watching, any shows you're watching that you'd like to share with us or podcasts you'd like to share? Hmm. I'm in a bit of a show hole at the moment. A show hole, is that your term? A show, I know, I've heard it. You know, you finish a good series and. Oh, I know. Like a show gap. I hate show. it when I can't find a good show. I'm in a show. So I'm in a podcast drug? hole. Um, oh, I hate that too. Yeah. What was the last? Well, where where were you before the show hole? What, yeah, what, what show was, was that? Show? I will say, Greg and I are watching on off. You stream it off Apple TV. Uh, the morning show, which is great. Act yeah, isn't geez, it good? He loves yeah. that. Yeah. It's I intense. It. it was so good. Um, I you want to hear an interesting tidbit about that. Yes. Show? 
I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they were talking about Jennifer Aniston, who I, I think she's a good actor, an actor, but I don't think she's phenomenal, but I think she's doing a really great job in this role, although she's driving me nuts. But interesting, I was thinking this whole time that she's playing the role of Katie Couric. She thinks she's emulating Diane Sawyer. So oh. again, I go back to the point, maybe wow. she's not such a good actress after all. <laughs> because actually Katie Couric is the person I was listening to being interviewed about the oh show. Oh, that's funny. And Katie was laughing with the host of the show. I forget the podcast that I was listening to, but they were laughing because they're like, how in the world can she think she's doing Diane Sawyer? She's totally doing Katie Couric. Well, that wouldn't that be a director and producers problem? Like, isn't, didn't they steer her wrong or tell her differently or I don't know, but anyway, they didn't tell her anything. Anyway. Go ahead. It's a great show. I love it. That's awesome. I miss Schitt's Creek. I'm sad that's over. Yes. I saw your shirt. I saw your shirt. He's wearing a rosebud. Motel you get shirt. the prize. I've been wearing this for four weeks and nobody has said anything because I, I didn't like... want a Schitt's Creek shirt. I wanted a subtle shirt that a true fan would notice and you get the prize. I get it. I, I got it instantly. Uh, and I thought, where did he get that shirt? <laughs> oh, thank you so much for I, nobody here in town. Or maybe they noticed they don't care about I have a, Schitt's Creek a true fan. Yeah, and then he has the rosebud motel. Yeah. Think that's awesome this. yeah that's so fun that well i might watch it yeah you know i there's books i read again because i can't find new ones and then there's shows like a curb your enthusiasm i'm watching it a little here and there he just released okay. his latest which is the older stuff's better but so uh so you said the morning show anything else that you came out of that you liked i'm trying to think of like really good stuff that i could actually recommend to people um Another show I fell in love with was Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. There's a lot of like singing scenes, which I. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's on Netflix. Oh, wait, I think I might. Is it kind of old? I think it might be. It's got to be. I might have watched some of it in the past. A little bit. Yeah. So I think as a counselor, I've heard that Brene Brown is a huge fan of Ted Lasso, which Brian oh, and I are also yeah. huge fans. Yeah. Have you watched that show? Ted Lasso is like it's Apple TV. Liquid season joy. One. It's a great, great one. Okay. I have to be honest. I watched season one. It was good. Okay. Season two, we stopped yeah, no, no, like two episodes of, in. because okay, You got to like, keep going because they lose people, it in the first two episodes. Complain okay. about this. First one's odd. Yeah, because the first time when we were doing Delta 8, we were watching the so first episode of the second season <laughs> of we Ted like, Lasso. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, and but we were uh, like, oh my gosh, they totally lost they get their the, way. They get their mojo back. It took a, it takes a bit back. of time. Yeah. Yeah. So if you stick with it, unless you're you're okay, you know, maybe give it a try. Up. Yeah, well, I would I'm glad I we went back to it. Yeah. It, there was some really there was some yeah, good, good. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. just so in love with it. Um, I would like to offer up um Oh, I don't have anything off. Oh, up, Succession. Succession we've been watching on um on HBO with uh, Brian it's Cox. It's funny um, and it's a drama. It's about, uh, it's interesting. It's like a corporate mob family. They're not really mob. They're not mobsters. But it's a Murdoch. friend of ours. It's based on the Murdoch family. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um. Yeah, very interesting Rupert show. Murdoch. But it's good. I think you would like it as a counselor too. I mean, the family dynamics are crazy. Yeah. Oh my god! My kids are obsessed with Vivo. It's uh, animated film. Lin Manuel Miranda wrote some of the music, mm. and he plays the little monkey. Anyways, that's like the soundtrack of our lives. If anyone out there has kids, and yeah, speaking of which, are you going trick or treating this weekend? Yeah, You're not are doing you... a trunk or treat at a. Are you going to sacrifice at a church? A church parking lot. 
I'm going to sacrifice my humans. Um, yes. I'm going to go trick-or-treating with a little unicorn and a fairy. And it's so fun at this age. They are like so into it. How about you guys? I, I see this yeah, Jerome. Jerome. We, we got three Jeromes, but I got. Well, a, we were gonna wear those, and you, then it's too small for him. And it's hard to have a conversation oh. with a with a with a with a mask. I on. didn't think it through, Tammy. Yeah. Is what we're trying to say. I was like, because I thought, oh gosh, it would be so cool, because I got like skeleton hands too, and I'm like, oh, we'll be skeletons, oh. and we'll wear black suits. But then, you know, it was too small for him, and then I'm like, how are we gonna have conversations with people and they can't see our face? Like that's exactly that's the point. Oh, he's putting it on. No, it does fit. Well, it fits, but it's super tight. My beard is sticking through. Okay, (laughs) it looks like you have a hairy mouth. I gotta take a picture. Hold on. That's horrifying. I know it's creepy, isn't it? I'm glad my children can't see this. Oh, it is scary. It is a good mask, though. I love when you guys post pictures of your podcast afterwards. Oh, do you? Oh, thanks. Yeah, we're, we're trying can we to get post, Can we get your picture? Uh, yes. After, can we post uh, pictures of you? And yeah, of course. Cool. All right, Tammy. Uh, well, hey, we didn't tell. Okay, so we have oh, a party sorry. tonight. A costume oh, yeah, party. Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, we didn't. So we have to rethink our mask. Should we wear our masks? Is it no. an adult costume party? It yes. Is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to. I mean, I could wear it and then take it off, but. Yeah, well, we're we're gonna gonna go sh- I really, I don't have the energy to go shopping too long though. If we don't find something in an hour, I want to go home. You guys are so fun and creative. I mean, Bridget, like I just remember you wearing like random colorful wigs during seminary. <laughs> when you worked I love, out, I love wigs. <clears throat> yeah, wigs. Are I don't fun. know. She showed up at a coffee shop once wearing one of them. I don't know. Okay, oh, remember yeah. Jake's? We wore wigs at yeah. Jake's. They yeah. Wig that oh, wig. that was right. That, that was box. fun. Oh, that was yeah, fun, that yeah. was fun. So what are we doing? Uh, adult, not an adult, not like adult, adult in that bad way. Bad way. Yeah, no orgies. It's just yeah, it's not a non-orgy Halloween party. I'm anti-orgy, I have to say. No, I don't think I'd want. I could. I could. You know, I'm do not that. a Christian, but I don't want to do yeah. orgies. Um, so that's the topic for next week's. Episode. That's next week's topic. Yes. 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 How far we deconstruction and orgies? Yeah. yeah, it is funny. I, I, you you deconstructed, but I haven't I haven't found you. I don't know, doing pentagrams and burning chickens and, and going to orgies. No. So that theory was wrong. Okay. I'm being silly now, but, uh, and then tomorrow night we're going to go to our nephew's house and niece's house to, uh, sit and, um, let the kids do their, Aww. and we'll sit yeah, there and have a few cocktails maybe in Brooklyn and we're going to have mm. pizza. Yeah. Pizza fun. So, is Liam going to be home or is he doing his own him, thing? Yeah. I don't see. know. We could invite we him. Heard and- from him. Yeah. He has a girlfriend. <sighs> I can't believe it. Ah, you know, I got permission to give that name out over the years. Name blah, blah, blah. Over the and millions then- of listeners here hearing that name. Um, well, Tommy, we're going to don't hang up yet, but oh, I guess I do have to. I'm going to stop the recording. Okay. But you don't have to drop right away. Was, uh, but um, thanks for so nice yeah, to have you on the you. show. This is wonderful. And this will be a historic event in the annals of Swig that you were our first guest ever. Do what does swig on sometime too? I think he's up for it, yeah. Yeah. What does swig stand for? See where it goes. Oh, I thought you yeah. call it swig. You're, I thought you were the first person to call it swig in an email. No. So, you guys else? are way cooler. It was you? Swig. See where it goes. I love right. that. Swig. I that was Tammy. Can I give you a full name? Sure. Tammy Whitner. Whit- Whitmer even. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me guys. Have a great week. Have a great week. Stop.